We are resuming um, the uh, summary of uh, the tshuvas of uh, Rav Ephraim Oshri in Sheil uh, Tshuvas Mimamakim, tshuvas relating to the time of the Holocaust, um, especially in the uh, Kovno Ghetto, where Rav Oshri was uh, acted as Rav, and uh, initially uh, he would answer Shalos, and sometimes we'll see in this particular tshuva he would take them to uh, the author of the Shilas Tshuva, Dvar Avram, uh, Avram Shapiro, um, who uh, was one of the great post in Europe at that point in time. Um, in any case, Russia at that point in time was a very young man and uh, thrust into <clears throat> the most uh, difficult um, kind of predicament and situation in which he has to, had to answer um, Shilas of uh, Dina Nefashos. So this Tshuva, which is in the first volume, the second Simon Bays, he says, took place initially on Chav Zayin Elul Tovshin Aleph, which corresponds to the English calendar, September 19th, 1941. So this is just a couple of days, Chav Zayin Elul, just a couple of days before uh, Rosh Hashanah. <clears throat> and the Jews in the, in the Kovna ghetto, um, they, were, they were asked, that uh, demanded, the Nazis demanded from them that they send a thousand people to work um, in the airfields, uh, outside of the ghetto, and this was obviously forced labor. Uh, they were given uh, very meager rations. Uh, he describes a bowl of soup, uh, which was uh, had some, you know, had some kind of meat. Uh, had had and had meat in it at the time, but it had meat at one point in time. Um, it was absolutely non-kosher. It was non-kosher, obviously, um, but this is everything that they were given, and. Uh, they had but no choice but to do this. But nonetheless, the question arose um, when, you know, this is a couple of days after this uh, forced labor began, again on the 27th of Elul. Uh, this was Ben Kessel Asur Tavshin Beis. A few days later, between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, you can imagine the Jews, they're thinking to themselves that it's now Asaris Yemei Tshuva, and they have to eat this non-kosher soup made from, you know, that was uh, this broth which had been made from non-kosher meat. Uh, and they wanted to know if they would be able actually to refrain um, from eating this soup. Uh, the question, of course, is, that, are they able to do this? Because it uh, might be a question of pikuach uh, nefesh. And uh, it ties in, I'll just mention, it ties in with a broader kind of question, which is discussed in certain sources, whether um, in situations where Jews were forced to do things that were um, against the Torah uh, during the time of the Holocaust, did we, was that to be viewed as a shasa shemad? Uh, during a time of shemad, when non-Jews are trying to corrupt or prevent Jews uh, from keeping the Torah, so then Gemara famously says, even Arkasa de Misano, even uh, a custom um, that seems to be of relative insignificance has to be adhered to. And a Jew certainly is allowed to give up one's life um, in such circumstances. There is a general question regarding to the time of the Holocaust because of the, uh, it was a complex kind of situation. On the one hand, um, the Nazis definitely, uh, had, bore a hatred towards, um, Torah as well. Um, they, uh, and for that reason they targeted shuls and yeshivas and bote medrash and svarim. Um, etc., in order to be able to, uh, you know, prevent Jews from keeping Torah. And on the other hand, the, the what you, if you look back, it would seem they want to destroy, um, Kla Yisrael as a people completely, right? Regardless as well to the level of, of observance that they were keeping. 
um, so you can talk at great length in regard to this, but in regard to this topic, but um, the Ravashri within his chuv over here seems to be assuming that it's not a situation in which uh, Jews are being oppressed or persecuted for the sake, for religious reasons, uh, and that therefore those considerations are off the table. It's simply a question of whether um, one is allowed to uh, endanger one's life um, in order to be able to observe, uh, in order to be able to refrain doing from an, doing an Avera. Usually the general rule in that case in order to be able to survive, if a person, let's say, is caught on a desert island, and a person has no choice but to eat uh, non-kosher, in order to be able to survive, it's a very straightforward din. Then you set aside the laws of the Torah in order to be able to live. Uh, if a person has to be in Chal Shabbos in order to survive, if there's a life-threatening incident, then obviously the same applies. Right? We know this as a very important and critical principle of the uh, of the Torah. So this is the question. So what exactly is the question? What exactly is the question which is, is being posed? In other words, it would seem that this is a, an obligation that they have to, um, <clears throat> they have to eat the soup in order to survive. Well, the question that they had was if they wouldn't eat, they wouldn't be endangered right away. They, maybe they would find other things to eat, maybe they would become weakened, but they wouldn't, it wouldn't cause a person to die immediately. Um, this would be something which after some time would cause danger to one's life. So maybe because there's no, what we would call imminent present danger to the individual, maybe at least be allowed for the individual to push off, um, eating this soup in order to avoid, um, the Easter against eating non-kosher. So Ravashi begins, begins with the Gemara in Yuma. Uh, the Gemara says, talks about a situation where a person is ill, and obviously he's talking about some kind of a serious illness, and what if there's a debate between the uh, individual, the uh, subject, you might say, or the patient, and the doctor. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Gemara says that uh, if the chola says that he needs to eat, and the face says, the doctor says he doesn't need to eat, so then we will go with what the patient says. Uh, because there's a principle based on a, upon a pasuk in Mishlei, Lev Yodea Maris Nafsho, that a person knows oneself better. The doctor might make claims, but on the other hand, um, a person knows oneself best. By the way, I'll just mention parenthetically, that in later postgame they point out that if uh, the doctor has objective and ag- objective assessment in which he says that the patient's, uh, you know, uh, perspective or conclusion is wrong. Let's say, for example, the patient says... That, uh, you know, I definitely have the following. And the doctor says it's not true. We checked. We did tests in regard to it. You don't have that particular illness or, um, or that particular condition. Or, uh, for, let's say, for example, the patient says this, uh, these simonim, these, uh, these indications show that clearly, you know, that my life is in danger and the doctor says objectively that's just not true. Um, so when there's objective information that the doctor is providing, objective assessment with a sense of certitude, um, then it can be that at times we will go, we will defer to the doctor and assume the person's not in danger. But in any case, the Gemara says that if that's not the case, and we have a debate between the two of them, we assume that the patient may know something the doctor does not know. And then the Gemara says, what about the reverse case? The reverse, the doctor says um, that the patient is in danger, and the patient says, no, I'm not in danger. So we will go with the doctor at that point in time. We're machmir. Regarding the pikuach nefesh, we machmir will follow the doctor's point of view, and the reason is because tun which Rashi says means like a ruach shtus, the person, you know, is is not thinking rationally, 
and uh, that, therefore the individual is saying it's uh, not dangerous, but in fact the doctor's opinion, um, we have to assume may be the correct one, and uh, therefore in both cases we're machmir, uh, and we will um, we will um, tell the person that he he or she has to eat um, even something non kosher in order to be able to. I'm sorry, eat something on Yom Kippur, uh, that's talking about Yom Kippur, so we'll tell them that they have to eat on Yom Kippur, uh, because, um, because there's a, uh, at least a suffix Bikuach Nefesh. Now the Rosh here has the following interesting discussion. He says that there are some Svarim that, um, that introduce, uh, different Nusach in the Gemara, a different text in the Gemara, and in that text of the Gemara they say, uh, that the Psak of Rabbi Yanai, Right, it should be. It doesn't really require a psak. What's the what's the chiddush of Rabbi Yanai? That suffix nefashus lahakel. There's a general rule in both of these cases. You have a debate, so therefore it's a suffix. So therefore, obviously lahakel, you have to have the the person would have to eat on Yom Kippur. So the Gemara says no because the Chola says that we might say that when the Chola says that I need to eat, then. That he's really just afraid, he's petrified, he's, he's, uh, in a state of fear. And he holds, that if he's not gonna eat, he's gonna die. So therefore, Kamash Malan, right, that, uh, that we don't take that into account and we, we, we don't think that he's somehow crazy. We say that if the, the Chola says that he has to eat, he feels the sense of urgency and feels otherwise, uh, you know, that he's going to, is uh, going to compromise his his uh, his lot his his you know his ability to be able to live. So um, we we uh, we will defer to the to the perspective or the opinion of the chola. We don't say that he's simply afraid. Now, in this context, it seems to indicate that the person is saying he's insisting that if I don't get food, I'm going to die. In the, in the rush quotes that there are those who say that you see from here that only in a situation where there's a, where there's a doubt as to whether he'll actually die, then we'll give the person food. In other words, the way that it's presented according to this nusach, according to this text of the Gemara, he seems to emphasize the person is saying, if you, if you don't give me food, I'm going to die, right? Then, but that only in that case, it seems that the individual is given um, food. So the rush says, and he thinks that this is actually being too machmir. In other words, that creates a distortion in terms of the threshold um, at which we will allow the person to be able to eat. He says, most of the time a doctor is not going to say, you better give the person food or he's going to die. He doesn't say that. He says, Maybe he'll die. Rofim, doctors, or even in those days, would be more circumspect and they would be um, more precise. They would try to you know, present the possibilities. This is the language of the Rosh. A rofe darkoloma, the rofe, the doctor generally says, im lo yochal, if the person doesn't eat, evsher sheyachbid chol yov yistaken, then the illness may, um, intensify, and it, the, as a result, the person will be endangered. So, and then the Rosh goes on to discuss this a little bit more, but the Rosh is saying the following, that we don't have over here, what, you think that the, the person's only able to, only able to eat if, if Chas doesn't eat now, he's going to die now? No. 
that's not the case. He says doctors generally will not say that at all. Well, what might happen is the person will not eat. Then, as a consequence, the um, illness or the condition will intensify. The person will, for example, become weaker, will not be able to rally the strength, the the the, uh, the, the wherewithal to be able to defend you know, the body when the body is more worn down. So then, this is how the Rosh understands the halacha, and the Rosh is saying, that's considered pikuach nefesh. So what do we see over here? We see that according to the Rosh, there doesn't have to be immediately immediate danger today to the individual, but even if it would evolve into danger subsequently, right, because the person would become more sick, um, and as a consequence, the person might die, that's also considered to be Pikuach Nevesh. And the Tur, who happens to be also the son of the Rosh, is the language in Simon Tafri Shirches, is very clear, he quotes essentially from his father, Im lo lo, that if the doctor says that if they don't give food to the person, that it's possible that the individual um, will will become more sick and as a person and the person might become endangered, then of course you give the person food. The tour and the rush both use the word after. It's possible. He doesn't know for sure. Right? But this could evolve in a situation to into a situation in which this is a distinct possibility, the doctor thinks, that uh, this is something which is uh which which uh, may endanger the individual um in the in the broader picture, and therefore that's considered to be the uh, that's considered to be a sakano. Says says Ravashri, what do you see from here? You see, it doesn't have to be danger today. It's danger which could evolve later on as well. If the person is going to become weaker, he says, obviously, this is going to compromise um, these individuals who are working this brutal, oppressive labor. These people who are working so hard and they're weak as it is, obviously, this would this would compromise their ability to be able to withstand the um, the uh, the challenge, the physical challenge, and as a result, it would be um, possibly life threatening. That's uh, one um, source that Ravashi brings. Ravashi brings in order to say that it's mutter. Um, he brings another source as well, um, which is a little bit more, uh, in a sense, is a little bit more complicated. Um, it's has uh, to do with the Gemara in Shabbos, the Samach Tesumid Bey, the very famous Gemara in Shabbos that talks about the uh, possibility of a person getting lost in the desert. And then the question comes up: the person doesn't know what day it is. When does the person keep Shabbos? So it's a famous halacha that the person will count the six days and then keep Shabbos, right? One other, designate one day is Shabbos, and you keep it as Shabbos. But uh, nonetheless, we know that the person has a suffix in regard to this. It's a doubt as to when it really is Shabbos. So really, we tell the individual that um, you work uh, each day, you do whatever necessary that day in order to feed oneself. Let's say, for example, the person has to pull up plants or the person has to catch animals or whatever the case might be. You're allowed to do whatever necessary in order to be able to survive on that day. Um, and then he quotes this, he's quoted in the Shulchan Aruch in the beginning of Simon Shin Mem Dalid. There's a, one of the postkim says that the, one of the achronim that, um, if the individual can fast one day, so let the person fast one day. Let's say, for example, maybe the person is seven days altogether, right? So, if the person is able to fast one day, and let's say some, maybe it'll be Shabbos. So therefore, the individual should try to fast that day. It's possible, right? Maybe the person, you know, the, the person would be able to um, to refrain one day, and then we hope that that day is the day of Shabbos, and then as a consequence, the person will be Michal Shabbos, right? You're only allowed to be Michal Shabbos in a situation of Nefesh. We don't know which day is Shabbos. It's a Suffolk. So to the extent that we're able 
to at least create a, more of a possibility that the person maybe maybe will not do Malach on Shabbos and it will not cause Pikuach Nefesh, you know, and, again, and according to this, maybe the individual should fast for two days, you know, let him eat for three days and, you know, or two or three days, and then he'll fast, and then he'll, another couple of days, and then he'll fast, let him work it out, if he can do that. So then he won't have to do Malacha in order to feed himself on those two days, and maybe he then will be refraining from doing Malacha um, on Shabbos, and uh, therefore... Chilu Shabbos is not warranted, right? His life is not in danger. So another one of the post game here, the Big Day Yasha, disagrees. And the Big Day Yasha seems to be saying the following. But but the individual in the big picture has to get out of the desert. In the big picture, the desert is dangerous, right? The person can't survive long-term in the desert. That's not really a possibility. You have to assume that that's dangerous. So if you tell this person to fast every few days, right, even once a week, then that will obviously slow down interfere with the person being able to leave the desert. The person will not be able to have the uh, have the strength and the focus, the ability to be able to to, to be able to attain that goal with the same um, efficiency and with the same strength. So therefore, says the big dayasha, you can't make the person do that. The person's in danger, and therefore, the individual is allowed to do whatever necessary each day in order to eat, in order to have one's strength, says the big dayasha. Um, and even if it's Shabbos, we consider that to be Pikuach Nefesh. So what do we see here? We see that the person's not in danger today. The person's not in danger today. The person's not in danger tomorrow. The person may not, may not be in danger for a week or a month. But at some point in time, the person's life is going to be in danger because it's very difficult to survive long-term in the desert, right? It's going to be, how long can it last for? A week, two weeks, three weeks. There are wild animals. There's bad weather. There's uh, terrible, you know, things that could happen. He's all alone. So... Therefore, the individual, says the Big Dayasha, can take into account that long-term, bigger picture kind of danger. Not the danger today, but the bigger picture danger and say, for the sake of Pikuach Nefesh, in order to be able to um, remove danger that's long-term in a broader context, uh, in order to be able to help the person to be able to leave the desert faster, so therefore the person is allowed to do Malacha every single day in order to attain food, um, in order to be able to acquire food, and therefore the person... Um, and this is considered warranted because Pikoch Nefesh is Doha Shabbos. Um, and this case is considered necessary. What do you see over here as well? This source, we don't look at Pikoch Nefesh today, but we look at Pikoch Nefesh as being something more broad. Will there be danger sometime in the future, right? Some undetermined point in time. Um, and to the extent that we have strong uh, suspicion or we think there's a strong likelihood that the person will be endangered in the future, we consider that to be um, included in the hat there. Ravashi, towards the end of the tshuva, is one of the source, which I'm going to leave out for now, but towards the end of the tshuva, he says that he went to um, the Dvar Avram, he went to the to the Bezin of Kovno, Hagon, Reb Avram, Duber, uh, Kahana Shapiro, and he agreed that this was um, Mutter. So uh, this is the uh, perspective of um, Ashri, and I'll just uh, close with the uh, following that uh, actually I think that there are other sources as well which indicate that we look at Pikuach Nefesh in a broader kind of way. Um, it ties in, I don't want to spend too much time, and it ties in with other questions as to whether we have in regard to Pikuach Nefesh, do we have to have the danger in front of us right now? Um, there's an interesting discussions in earlier post scheme about uh, why autopsies are generally not allowed. In general, uh, general autopsies, um, are considered uh, to save lives, right? They, they, in the bigger picture, will allow us to be able to 
uh, collect information in order to be able to save lives. So why is it not considered mutter? So in the early post, would talk about there's no danger in front of us right now. There has to be a present um, danger here in front of us. But I noted in uh, another shear that the Chazanish had a perspective in regard to this in which he didn't think that the danger has to be present so much as the danger is something which can evolve in the present situation in a clear-cut kind of way. Um, this obviously, by the way, can have relevance uh, in many different contexts, um, these kinds of questions, you know, in, in contemporary times come up as to whether, let's say, for example, what are you allowed to do for the security of the State of Israel and the Israeli army? Uh, what if there's not a present danger, but there may be a danger which will emerge? Um, are you allowed, for example, I think that the Chazanish and others would deal with these kind of questions, are you allowed, let's say, for example, to manufacture weapons on Shabbos? Because um, maybe, you know, the ability to manufacture the weapons on Shabbos will avert danger in the future. Uh, interesting kinds of questions. Obviously, the um, context and the, uh, the, the backdrop um, the situation um, is uh, is essential in order to for, for all these kinds of questions. But uh, Chazanish said it doesn't have to be a danger which is here now so much as a danger which is going to evolve. This would mean, you know, that in regard to a chola as well, you know, as we're describing now, a person doesn't have to be, you don't have to look at only the danger to the individual today, but the danger that might might um, emerge from, you know, a person, let's say, for example, not uh, taking care of oneself or taking certain kind of medication or going for certain kinds of treatments, um, danger might emerge and as a consequence of this. Um, I think that there is a source um, that indicates uh, that that we look at the bigger picture, which is, uh, it comes up in Simon Shin Chavches, which is the Simon in the Shulchan Aruch, which talks about Pikuach Nefesh, on Shabbos, that's the main Simon in the Shulchan Aruch, which talks about this. And the famous halacha that... Um, question, I should say, as to what happens if a Jewish person is in danger, there's a situation called Nevesh, and a Jew is there who can be Michal Shabbos in order to save the person's life, or you can have a non-Jew uh, do the same thing. Um, so, in this context, right, obviously a non-Jew would be able to do it, so I'm saving myself from being Michal Shabbos, and generally assume that if you don't have to be Michal Shabbos, why should you? So, uh, I can turn to a non-Jew. In the Torah, there's no Easter. It's a, we assume it's an Asimid Rabbanon to ask a non-Jew to do malacha for me on Shabbos. Turn to a non-Jew, and the non-Jew will do it. So there's a debate. Some poskim say that that's a good idea, and some poskim say it's a bad idea. There are two reasons for the poskim who say that are given, for the poskim who are who have the position that one should not ask the non-Jew to do it, but a Jew should do it. Either some say that the non-Jew is going to um, do it less effectively or is going to delay, um, somehow will not give the same attention to it uh, as the Jew would. <clears throat> so maybe that'll have like a more linear kind of impact in the present in this particular case. So that's one reason which is given. Another post can say even setting that aside. Let's assume for a minute it's something which is so simple um, and straightforward that there's no real question of whether it's, there's going to be a delay or not or whether it won't be done as well. Now the post can say no because we're afraid that if you tell the non, you tell the, if the Jewish person gets used to the idea that the person's in a situation of pikuach nefesh, and then you turn to a non-Jew and ask the non-Jew to do it, so we're afraid that will cause a delay in the future. In another situation of pikuach nefesh, that the the Jewish person will hesitate because he'll be thinking, well, the past time or two or ten times that I've done this, I've had a non-Jew do it. So now he'll look for the non-Jew, and this might endanger a Jewish person's life in the future. Well, this would seem to me to be a very strong um, support for the view that the that the uh, that we don't look at the present, 
we're saying according to this shita, which is quoted by some of the Achronim, that I think they quote this from a rush as well, that we're, that we're, that we're concerned about what's going to happen to an unidentified person sometime in the future, right? That the same Jew will be in a situation where he can save somebody's life and some unidentified person, and we don't know it's going to be in a week, in a month, in a year, in ten years, right? We don't know. But there could be some kind of danger to somebody in the future. An unbelievable, first of all, it's just an unbelievable shita, right? But it shows you an how far we take the heter of pikuach nefesh. This is considered pikuach nefesh. It's an amazing uh, way of looking at things. It's pikuach nefesh for what? For somebody in the future, and as a result, it's matir, right? Doing malacha on Shabbos in the here and now, even though the danger is not absolutely certain. It's only a suffix, obviously. And... Uh, the danger is is at an undetermined time in the future. I would think that this would be a very strong raya as well. So in any case, it is a broader kind of issue, but Halacha Lamaisa, Rav Ashri comes to the conclusion in this case that the uh, that the person, um, that these people who are working definitely should be eating um, and uh, thereby avoiding uh, ultimate danger to their lives uh, that would result from lack of nutrition.